three. What's up? All right. I'm hoping everyone is recovering from the hurricane. You got power. Amen. We need the power. But I want to pray for uh, still the folks that are struggling and dealing with situations. A lot of people in Sanibel and in Pine Island. So I want to pray for them. Also pray for our service this morning. Let's just go to God and ask God to help uh, all the folks that have been affected. God, we thank you, God, that you're in control and that you're assisting people, God, people that need help and uh, people that have been dislodged from their homes. And Father, we pray that you'd meet every need and you help them and God, encourage people through this difficult time. God, we lift up this service this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in this place and we pray that you would move supernaturally in our lives and help us this morning in Jesus name amen, amen, amen. praise God you well today is a uh, a brand new sermon series called dethrone if you notice we've got some props up here uh, the knight in shining armor, the throne. And um, I'm just kind of warning you right from the get-go, this is going to be a very unusual series. Uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to be tackling some subjects that as a church we normally uh, don't deal with or talk about much. But how many people realize that you need to do that from time to time? We need to deal, deal with things. We have to talk about things. And today we're going to be looking at dethroning ideologies. Dethroning ideologies. Now, the word ideology is a word that we often don't use. Probably uh, a lot of people don't even know what it means. It's something that's a very uh, technical term. But the actual definition of the word ideology, it means the body of doctrine, myths, or beliefs that guides an individual, social movement, institution, or a large group of people. So basically what an ideology is, it's, it's a belief system. Our belief systems or some person or some group's belief systems. And sometimes we need to comprehend that many people's belief system or ideology clashes with what the Bible says. There's a clash. And people often say, well, I believe this or my ideology is that. And we believe certain things. But it's important about what the Bible says above everything else. And I want to read some verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 through 5. It'll be on the screen, or if you have your Bible with you, you can read it from there. <clears throat> it says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction <clears throat> of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So let's look at what it's saying here. It's saying we are destroying speculation and every lofty thing that comes up against the knowledge of God. We are destroying belief systems, doctrines, ideology, anything that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And how many people realize that we are in a time and an age where there's a lot of things raising up against the knowledge of God. And this whole thing, as you read it, there, it's an imagery, uh, imagery of warfare. Hence, dethroning 
ideologies. And so what I want to do is to try to get this point across to everyone. I, I want to tell you a story of something that happened to me um, that I'm actually very embarrassed about that it happened to me. And it's something I wish never did happen. But it's a story that I've never shared from this pulpit before. I've been preaching here 17 years, and I've never shared this from the pulpit. Uh, probably uh, very few people in the church even know about this in my life. But when I was a brand new Christian, I was only saved about four months. Only four months into the Lord, and I got sucked into a cult. Now, I was only in that cult for about two months very short time, but getting out of it was one of the most intense periods of my entire life. And so what had happened was I had graduated from college and I was moving out to California to go to grad school. And like I said, I was a brand new believer and I remember uh, the church I was going to in the college town that I was living in, uh, he told me, you know, he knew I was a new convert and he told me, Larry, you know, when you get out to California, you know, make sure you find a good, you know, Bible-believing church. The only problem was I didn't really know what the Bible said. I'm brand new in the Lord. I didn't really know what the Word of God said. And so when I first get out to California, I found this little pamphlet at a business, and it said, you are invited to our church service and a, a, with a free dinner. And when I saw a free dinner, I thought, oh, this is good, man. I mean, here it is. I'm just, you know, the first time I'm out on my own, having to cook my own food and all this stuff, and a free dinner sounded pretty good. And I'm thinking, this is God. You know, I found the pamphlet inviting me to church, and it's also got a free dinner. And so I, I think, man, this, this must be God. But it wasn't God. It was the devil, actually. And so I show up at this church. It was on a Friday night, and they had this amazing dinner. And I met some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. So friendly. I mean, so accommodating. You know, I'm there for the first time, and this couple says, hey, Larry, uh, you know, uh, if you come to church on Sunday, we want you to come over our house for lunch. I'm thinking, wow, another free meal. I mean, come on. And, uh, and then I, so I start going to the church all the time, and everyone is so nice to me. They invite me to lunch, invite me to dinner. Hey, Amen. It's like, uh, this is awesome. That, you know, I'm like a part of the family, like instantly. You know, and like I said, I, I, I'm this guy, you know, just on my own for my, the first time besides college and, and uh, you know, free food, and I don't have to cook it. I don't have to clean up, and it's just great. And all that's happening, but I am missing what's going on in the preaching at the church. I'm missing on how they're conducting their services. I'm missing all that because uh, of all the other stuff that's going on where the people are nice to me. So I'm in this cult for a week, three weeks, five weeks I'm there. And finally, after about six weeks, I've, I've got this feeling like something's off about this church, like something is weird about this church. Now, I, I would like to say that, you know, my great Bible knowledge, you know, set off some alarm bells in my mind, but that wasn't it because I didn't know the Bible. 
I like to say that God spoke to me. You know, Larry, uh, you are in thy cult. Uh, flee now, you know. I wish that would have happened, but that's not what took place. But the weird or off thing was actually two things that I noticed. Number one, I noticed that I was the only guy in the entire church. The church is about 250 people. The only guy who had facial hair. You know, I had this big, giant, bushy beard, and uh, back then, I'm just like I said, I just got saved, and, and that's just, you know, how I looked. I've had beards most of my adult life, or goatee, or something, and I'm looking around, and there's not one guy with a goatee or a beard, even a mustache. It's 250 people. I'm like, that's kind of strange. You know, everyone's clean shaven, you know? But then the second thing really got me to think something was wrong because here it is, I was a 22-year-old single guy, and even though I'm a Christian, I'm going to scope out the fish in the sea, if you know what I mean. I'm going to see, hey, is there any potential future Mrs. Gregory's out there? You know, so I'm just kind of looking around, and, and, and I, I need to, uh, you know, qualify something before I say the next statement. Uh, I ain't no Brad Pitt, okay? Uh, actually, uh, God had to temporarily blind my wife so she would marry me, amen? Because I'm a kind of a gnarly looking dude. So I said that to say this, because after scoping out the entire population of single girls, uh, it dawned on me there wasn't even one that was remotely cute. Not one. I'm like, what, don't they let pretty girls in here or what? I, I don't know what's going on. And so I'm like, this is weird. And so I, I had to check out my theory and I expanded, you know, the population of the girls. And I just looked at any girl. I don't care if she was married or grandma or anybody. I'm just going to check and there was not one single girl that you would say is attractive in the entire church. Not one. And I'm like, wow, that's really weird. There's guys that don't have any facial hair and, and the situation with the girls. And so I'm thinking about this for like two weeks. You know, every time I go to the church, I'm like, there's got to be one in here. No dudes with mustaches? Come on. And, and all the time I'm missing about what they're preaching I'm missing, God's trying to get it through my thick skull that their doctrine was off, their ideology was unsound, it was not biblical. And it finally took a miracle to get me to see the false ideology of that church. One day I'm at the gym and I hear these two guys talking and um, they're talking about Jesus, and, and, and I started talking with them, and I said, hey, I'm a Christian too, and I started talking with these two guys, and one of the guys, his name was Paul, he says, well, what church do you go to? And I told him the church, he goes, oh, he goes, he goes uh, that's not a good church, man. He goes, they're not teaching the Bible over there. I'm like, they're not? He goes, no. I go, well, how do you know that? He goes, I've got a whole book on that church, uh, and I could show you Bible verses one after another, and I said, I like to see those. 
And, and so what he did is, this is the miracle part. I just met these guys, and he says, why don't you come over to my house? Right? I go, right now? Yeah, come on over. So I went over his house, and he spent like two or three hours with me just showing me Bible verses, uh, amen, about what that church was doing that was unbiblical. And he showed me a whole book uh, on how it was a cult. And then the next day, he said, I'm going to take you to my pastor's office at the church. And the pastor sat down and talked with me. And then it dawned on me, Larry, you're in a cult. My eyes were opened. And then I finally realized that I was in the wrong place. Amen? And so I stopped going to that church. And I didn't even tell anybody. And all of a sudden, people start calling me. Hey, Larry, where are you? You know, and, and at first, I'm just kind of chucking and jiving. Oh, I've been busy. And, you know, and they just keep calling. And then I finally said, hey, uh, you know, your church is a cult, and it doesn't follow the Bible. And, oh, boy. When I said that, the poop hit the fan then, man. I mean, uh, they started calling me. They were getting nasty and, and saying, you know, you can't leave and you're a part of us. And they're calling saying, you're going to go to hell. Thank God no one, none of them knew where I lived. But it got intense, man. I mean, I'm going through these mind battles. Uh, I mean, they're trying to force me. I'm confused. And, and for a, an entire two weeks, I was just absolutely tormented. And I was finally able to break free in my mind from this false ideology, and I had to dethrone it. And I had to destroy all the speculations that were rising up against the true knowledge of God. And this morning, we get to understand that these things are around us, and they're trying to come against our lives in Christianity. Amen. And this morning, I want to look at three strategic ways that ideologies affect us and how to dethrone them, okay? And it doesn't matter what the ideology is. It could be a religious ideology like a false religion or a cult. It could be a cultural ideology that is, is false. It could be an intellectual one. It could be a number of different things. Or possibly some other type of ideology. It doesn't matter. But there are three strategic ways that ideologies affect us. And I want to look at all three, and then we're going to look at each one in depth. Amen. Are you guys still with me this morning? Here they are. Three strategic ways. Number one, they allure us. Number two, they force us. And number three, they confuse us. <clears throat> Let's look at the first one. They allure us. Now, the word allure, it means to attract or tempt by something flattering or desirable. That's exactly what happened with that cult. Exactly what took place. Uh, when I walked into that church, I mean, those people love bomb me, man. I mean, they were on me like white on rice. Uh, they were so flattering. It was so alluring. It was just like uh, something like, oh, wow, I don't know anybody, and everybody's nice to me. I, you know, I'm, I'm new in this place. And you could feel that. Now, I understand our church, Victory Church, we're very friendly here. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. 
Amen. Hopefully when you came in this church, people were nice to you and they reached out to you. And we try to do that as a church. But I'm talking this place was like victory on steroids, man. I mean, it was over the top. It was so alluring. And it's the same way with other ideology. It looks good. It sounds good. It even feels good. That's why a lot of Christians get hooked into the horoscopes, the Ouija boards, the yoga, the false religion, the crystals, the false TV evangelists, and all the new age stuff. Because it's alluring. Who doesn't want to know their future? It's getting really quiet in here. Who wouldn't like to be able to put a crystal in their house and ward off any kind of sickness? It looks good. You know, how could me looking, you know, at my horoscope, how could that be bad? How could that affect me? You know, the guy preaching on TV or YouTube, it sounds really good. I understand his beliefs are a little bit different than the Bible, but he says some really good things, and he's such a great communicator. It sounds so, so good. Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. Amen. I'm chopping some wood this morning. Amen. Like I warned you from the beginning. Listen what it says, God never sent those men at all. They are phonies who have fooled you into thinking they are Christ's apostles, yet I am not surprised. Satan can change himself into an angel of light, so it is no wonder his servants can do it too and seem like godly ministers. In the end, they will get every bit of punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Listen. Satan can make things sound so good. He can make him, you know, like himself into an angel of light. And it's no wonder his servants can do the same thing too. That's the allure of ideology to suck us in. It's the allure of it. You know, we had a lady in our church was in our church for years. She was on the serve team. She was on the worship team, up here singing about Jesus Christ. She was a part of us, but she got sucked into witchcraft, and now she's a white witch. Oh, I just do magic to help people. You know, I just do the good kind of magic. Amen. There is no good kind of witchcraft. I don't care if it's black or white or red or pink, whatever color it is. Uh, it's witchcraft. It's, all of it's no good. It's not good. We can't allow these things to allure us and suck us in. We have to dethrone them and not allow the allure to just be this shiny object that, that we are attracted to. It's almost like if you go fishing, you know, you use lures, and the lure, the fish are there swimming around, you know, hey, what's happening, dude? Hey, we're just swimming around, and then you see that shiny lure. I mean, it looks good, man. Hey, check that lure out. I mean, it's so shiny and looks so nice, and bam, they're hooked. That's the same way with us. We can be allured into something that's a false belief, false doctrine. 
Let's gaze at number two. Number two, they force us. Sometimes ideologies are forced upon us. Now, that can be hard to, uh, you know, accept when we live in America, like, you know, what, what do you mean that forced on us? I mean, what are you talking about? But you know what? Most countries in the world, they force ideologies on people. You know, at our conference, this conference, our main speaker is Pastor Tony from India. And you guys, you cannot miss this conference, man. He's amazing, amazing man of God. And he pastors in India. You know, India just passed a law that they are forcing Hinduism on people. I mean, and it's a democracy. It's a democracy. Matter of fact, if you are a Christian and you try to share your faith with a Hindu, you can go to jail. You will go to jail if they catch you. Why? Because they're forcing an ideology on people. It's just the way it is. And I understand that because I lived in a foreign country for, for many years. And I had firsthand experience of being around that situation when we were missionaries to the Fiji Islands where there's a huge percentage of the population that are either Muslim or Hindus. The ideology is forced upon you. I remember I used to have, you know how you have alarm clock? I used to have a Muslim alarm clock. You go, what's a Muslim alarm clock? Well, there was a mosque right near where our church was, and we lived above the church, and at 5 a.m., the Muslim alarm clock would go off. Because the Muslims would get on their loudspeaker and start chanting, Allah, Allah, it's 5 in the morning. Chanting Allah. I'm not talking, these are big giant speakers. You, you can hear them for miles. Oh, I mean, I used to wake up five in the morning to this Allah. You know, shut up. Allah's sleeping. He's still sleeping. I mean, it's forced upon you. Going to the grocery stores that almost exclusively were owned by Hindus. You go in there and they'd have this. Hindu music playing. I mean, just irritate your soul. I mean, it was hideous. You go in there, you're just trying to shop. I remember they opened this brand new grocery store, and me and Linda were so excited, and I go shopping in there, and, and they got this Hindu priest, uh, amen, chanting over the store's uh, loudspeaker. Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Krishna. I mean, I'm just trying to buy a loaf of bread. And I'm hearing all this stuff going on, and it's just pushed on you. It's just forced on you. And we think, well, that's crazy. You know, that would never happen in America. Oh, really? That never would? It just it comes in a different form, that's all. How about our public school system? Hello? Public school where they're wanting to teach our first, second, and third graders about sex. First graders. Oh, how little girls can be little boys, and little boys can be little girls. Oh, I'm a boy. I'm a girl. My six-year-old grandson says, I'm Batman. And it's forced 
on little kids and ideology jammed down their throat. And don't even get me started on drag queen story hour. Where these big, burly, bearded dudes are dressed in drag, reading stories to little kids in the library and in the classrooms. Are you kidding me? That's jacked up. But it's an ideology that's being forced upon us. And we have to dethrone it. And how do we do it? By confronting it. Hey, man, if you got a kid in school and they're trying to do that to your little kid, you need to go talk to the teacher. I'm not talking about being violent. I'm just talking about, hey, you know what? You're not teaching my little daughter that stuff. You're not teaching my little son that. Go talk to the principal. Go to a school board meeting, whatever. You have to confront it because they will try to force you in this. Force you. Remember what I told you about the grocery store? Here it is. I'm just shopping, and this guy is chanting, Hare Krishna. I mean, I'm talking the whole time I'm shopping. I mean, just going on and on about Hare Krishna and this Hindu God and that Hindu God. And finally, I said, I'm sick of this. I'm going to go find the guy. So I'm looking around trying to find him. And I find him in the back room and he's dancing, chanting, Hare Krishna. And he's got his back to me. And I said, hey. And he stopped and he turned around. And I said, listen, I said, Jesus Christ is the only Lord. He's the only way to heaven. Amen. There is no other name given among men that you can be saved. It's only Jesus Christ. It's not Harry Krishna. It's not Muhammad. It's not anyone else. And this Hindu priest is standing there. His eyes are like bugging out. And I turned around and left. And for 30 seconds, he stopped chanting. Praise God. Okay. But then he starts chanting again, and I kid you not, I promise you this happened. He starts chanting again. This is what he says. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Yeah, baby. I'm serious. He did that. I promise you. <laughs> it was glorious. Why? We have to confront this thing, man. We can't, we can't allow our little kids to be indoctrinated. We can't allow, you know, this stuff to be forced on us. It's an ideology that's not biblical. You know, you look at the Apostle Paul. He's in a city called Athens. And there's all these idols and ideology and all this stuff going on. And Paul confronts it, man, head on. Look at what Paul says in verse 22 uh, to 24 of Acts 17. So Paul stood in the midst of the uh, Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. But while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. 
Paul confronts this ideology head on, and we should be, do the same. We have to confront it when it is being forced upon us. Let's take a view at number three. You guys still with me? <clears throat> number three, they confuse us. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, it says, For God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of confusion, okay? If our God, who we serve, is not a God of confusion, who is a God of confusion? Who is the God of confusion? Of course, it's Satan, and he is the author of all confusion. And so he uses confusion as a strategic method to promote his ideology. If he can't affect you by alluring you, or if he can't force it upon you, he will use confusion on you. <clears throat> it's shocking that, <clears throat> that he can use confusion and, and to maneuver his agenda into people's lives. And I'll never forget when I was pastoring in Fiji. Um, like I said, we lived above the church. We had the church on the bottom, and we lived above it. We were in a compound, you know, a gated compound. And one time there was a ring at the front gate. And uh, so I go down there, and I open the gate, and lo and behold, it's two Jehovah Witnesses. And they come to our church. Now, think about it. They, they know it's a church. We got signs there, Victory Church, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and they come and they ask me, you know, are you the pastor? And I go, yes, I am. And they proceed to try to convert me to becoming a Jehovah Witness. And I'm thinking, wow, that's bold. How dare you come to a Christian church and try to convert the pastor? I mean, and I'm thinking in my head, it's on, man. It's on. And we start talking, and about 15 minutes later, I absolutely destroyed their whole belief system. I mean, these two people, the, their heads are spinning. And, and they're like... They're totally confused now because I was just sharing the word of God with them. And they finally said, well, uh, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to bring our area leader with us next time. And I'm thinking, yeah, you do that. And I'll talk to that person too. So a week goes by and these two people, these two Jehovah Witnesses, they show back up. And now they have another person with them who's this lady and she's their area leader. And she, she's pretty good at what she knew. But after a while, I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, throwing the word of God at them and spinning their, their ideology back into their lap. And, and after a short time, all three of them are toast. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get them saved right here, man. I'm serious. Especially the two. They were almost like wanting to come to church. But the area leader, she kind of spun them out of it. And she said, well, uh, uh, we're, we're going to come back and, and we're going to bring the entire leader of Fiji here with us. I go, go for it, man. Bring them. I bring the whole kingdom hall. Go for it. I'm thinking I'm going to get them all saved. So sure enough, next week, the two original people, the lady area leader and this other guy show up at the church. And I could immediately tell this guy was sharp. And I use the same, you know, strategy and the same verses that I used before. But every time I would throw something at him, he would spin it back to me. Every time I would say this, he would turn it around. 
and he had an answer for everything I said. And I could literally, literally start feeling my mind being bent. You ever feel that way? Like your mind's like... I could feel it being turned, and I start being confused. Hello? I'm getting confused, and, and as we're getting in this conversation, each minute that's going by, I'm getting more and more confused, and then it finally dawns on me what's happening. Amen. The, the enemy is using this guy, amen, and through his life, amen, there's a spirit of confusion, amen, that's generating out of him. It's a demonic thing, and I finally said, you know what? Uh, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, Jesus saved me, I'm going to heaven and I'm out of here. And I shut the gate and locked it. Oh, Larry, Pastor Larry, you're a wimp, amen. No, I'm, I was getting confused, man. I'm smart enough to realize, amen, sometimes you just have to avoid it. Some of you, you are around people that are bringing confusion to your mind. You can't be around them. You can't do that. There's a demonic spirit behind that guy. There's a demonic spirit behind some people, and it's very powerful. Sometimes you have to avoid situations that destabilize you. Sometimes you have to dodge circumstances that disorient you. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being smart enough to know I'm out of here. It's like, you know, if you ever went swimming and the current gets bad and you think, oh, I'm a good swimmer. I can handle this. And you go, no, 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 no. There's a bad riptide there. You need to get out of the water. I don't care if you're, you're uh, Michael Phelps. You get out of the water, man. Sometimes that spirit of confusion is so powerful, you just have to avoid it. Don't put yourself in a place where, you know, the enemy can confuse you to promote his ideology. Many Christians have fallen to the wayside because they allowed themselves to be confused. Yeah, I'm just going to invite the JWs in my house for a Bible study. I'm just going to look at my horoscope this week and see what it says. I'm just going to do this and do that. And we don't realize it brings confusion. And see, this morning, we are dethroning ideologies and every lofty thing that comes against the knowledge of God. They allure us. They force us. And they confuse us. Amen? Amen? But we have an answer to all that. And in a second, I'm going to share that with you. Amen? But first, I'd like you to bow your heads this morning.